Welcome to the Loaded Goat. I'm Aaron. Uh, is this where I'm supposed to say my name? You are. Sorry, new to this. Uh, my name's Chris, and uh, six foot. Uh, excited to be here. I'm five nine. Excited to be here too. We've reached the end of season five. We're doing the banjo playing deputy, and before we kick off, we mentioned this previously on another episode. We've been doing a podcast, at least one podcast a week for three years now. So I think we're going to we're going to take a break between the color, the black and white, and color years. So we're not sure when we will be back, but we will be back. And when we will be back, will be dependent. We need a petition. We need people to write in. We want to hear from our fans. Uh, you know, give us compelling reasons that that we are in a critical part of your life. That's what I want to know. Well, I'm I appreciate Chris's candor. The truth of it is, and the reason Chris feels this way is Chris and I, we really don't speak to each other other than when we do this podcast. Our, our relationship has deteriorated to the would, point of you know, I would say. That we don't actually speak to each other outside of this podcast very much, but it's because we talk constantly on this podcast. I talk to you more than I talk to my wife, and then I talk to you, and then maybe every so often I talk to my mother this much. Yeah, you know, we do. I do talk to you. you probably are the. I probably do talk to you the second most of any person in my life. God is good. What can I say? There you go. There you go. But. We and occasionally we will talk offline after the podcast. So we re, our relationship really has not deteriorated. That was a joke. The truth of it is, is Christopher needs to go to rehab. <laughs> yeah, I got the John Mulaney special. Yeah, yeah. He, um, he, I, I said, I said, you're going tomorrow. You still have. We still have one more podcast to do before season five ends. Yeah, what a guy! What a guy! I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a true friend. Mm-hmm. So today we're doing the banjo playing deputy. Uh, what, before we dive, what did you think of this episode? I feel bad because, you know, this is the last one we're doing for a while. I didn't like this episode at all. It is. Well, you know, so so we, got, so we had two episodes where we think somebody was was trying out. We had Don Rickles playing Newton Monroe. And when then we have Jerry Van Dyke, brother of Dick Van Dyke, playing playing uh, this banjo playing deputy Jerry. And you know, I guess everything works out for a reason. Obviously, I just don't think people would have wanted to watch this guy for the remainder of the Andy Griffith episode. I didn't want to watch him for the remainder of the episode. Yeah, you know, and, and it, so he he struggles, right? Like. Mm-hmm. What to say, which is something I can identify with. And in my household, when I can't come up with words, we talk about how I need to drink a little bit more water. And it usually helps me. And so I really feel like Jerry could have just had a little bit more water and we could have gone gone on with the episode a little bit faster. He was he was suffering from some serious dehydration. This episode is brought to you by Dasani. And then you know, we go back to Don Rickles. And Don Rickles, I think, could have worked, but I think Don Rickles was probably happier just basically insulting everybody from as a as a stand-up comedian. Yeah, for sure. That's a good gig. Yeah. You can get that it. was a good gig. You know, if you know, he had a he had a knack for being able to insult people and they just everybody just thought it was funny. Yeah. Yeah. So you want to dive in? I I think last the last three weeks I said I'd go feet first, right before this episode. 
Kristen told me to really make sure I do a good job. So I'm ready to dive in today. I'm going to do a sailor dive, arms at the side, head first. We're going in, baby. Did your wife really, really tell you to do a good job? She literally did. She's like, just do a good job. Don't phone it in. And I said to her, I watched the episode. I think I'm well prepared. Oh, that's, that's, I got to be honest with you. That's more than you usually do. So that's, that's great. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So this episode first aired on May 3rd, 1965. We opened with Clara and another lady coming out of a carnival performance on Arabia called The Sultan's Favorite. And they are basically clutching their pearls and saying they're going to go see Andy about this. Which, you know, this is one of the few times that, you know, maybe it looks like a nice place to live a lot. And, you know, I like a cocktail every now and again. And I think, you know, it surprises me a little bit that it's a dry county. The way that they behaved here is like, oh, goodness gracious. This is this is a Puritan dry county for sure. It does feel a little bit. Um, it does feel like. It feels it, 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 it is that because if poor old Floyd is having to get his thrills repeatedly by going to this place. Yeah. And no, I like I, I'm going to go back. To, they, they were like the shakers, you know, the way that Floyd is really excited and can't help. And then Clara obviously is like so aghast that I think it's, you know, we we get a little insight into the uh, the powers that be of Mayberry. And what yeah. makes thick. I agree. And so we, at the jail, Andy is talking with Floyd about his time at the carnival, and they come in, um, and Floyd is just loves the loves the thing. It turns out Floyd has seen the show six times, and he's just uh, he's just flabbergasted that they don't like it. And this is some this is probably my favorite part is Floyd's love of this of this show. Yeah, totally, I agree. Floyd Floyd has been it came back in post illness, you know, or stroke. With a bang. He's been excellent. I think it's been a very key part of every episode he's been in. And I think, you know, he is a very critical part of, I think, what most people feel inside. He's looking to experience other people's culture. Like, if you if you went to an Olive Garden or Johnny Carino's, you know, five, five days a week, no one would judge you. They'd say thank you for supporting real, authentic culture. And I think that that's exactly what Floyd is doing here. Well, you had you had me until you started with your um, with your chain Italian restaurants. I I, I feel for you and in, in, in your lack of options. <laughs> I don't even have those in my town. I gotta be you don't. I I love the Olive Garden. I I joke about it. I know it's not like going to an authentic Italian restaurant, but I always love going to the Olive Garden. You know, we went to uh, Siena, which is you know the heart of, of Tuscany, uh, for on our honeymoon, and we went to one restaurant that was like actually very Tuscan and it annoyed me how Tuscan it was like I felt like I was in one of these kitschy little restaurants it was like no this is actually what those are modeled on yeah no I mean I uh when I was a kid and I first went to the Olive Garden and they brought out all the breadsticks you wanted and all the salad you wanted before you got your pasta I thought it was the greatest thing yeah which is exactly to take it back how Floyd feels where he's never seen someone with a hippie dance before. Imagine yeah. what he would have felt in 2004 uh, on the heels of She-Wolf that Hips Don't Lie comes out by Shakira, right? It would have blown his mind. And then you wait a couple of years and you got Wrecking Ball with Miley Cyrus. Floyd is not ready for the world as it's changing. Speaking of Miley Cyrus, I've always, and speaking of Wrecking Ball, I'm just going off on a little bit of a tangent here. I'll tell you who I would love to hear cover Wrecking Ball. Bruce Springsteen. 
I think it would sound fun. amazing. Yeah. I think you're super solid on that. Yeah. So they leave and Floyd says he'll go with Andy to check it out. And the show is basically belly dancing, not even very good belly dancing with a banjo. Did and you have local belly dancers growing up? Local belly dancers? We had belly, dance- we had belly dancers in Helena. You know, maybe I was, it was like late 2000s where we'd have a, we have a, a summer like drinking in the park music thing every Wednesday called Live at Five. And one night a summer, the belly dancing club would come up and it was about five people and they were they were really quite talented i mean there was a period where that like preceding that i mean i think maybe actually late 2000s it was a kind of almost a fitness kind of like fitness uh becky has it's very hard yeah i don't i i don't first of all i don't nobody wants to see me belly dance tune in for a behind the scenes (laughs) no and christopher do belly dancing (laughs) Yeah, progressive belly dancing. <laughs> progressive belly dancing. It looks like the um, it looks you know Aaron looks like Chris Farley trying to um, uh, do the bull- <laughs> cheer on the Bulls to win the uh, to win the title. <laughs> so the so basic so Floyd goes. It'd be a shame to close it down. This is art. And the show ends and the crowd disperses and Andy says, I'll talk to the manager. I don't know why he feels the need to do this other than it to push the plot forward. But he asks the manager to tone it down and the manager just says he'll move on. And it sounds like he's been told by everybody to move on. He's having to go all the way to Charlotte, which was not a which was a decent sized city, but it's not the Charlotte we know of to know of today at this point. And, and you know, so, yeah, so it's, it's 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 a little surprising. The only I was racking my brain. I was up all night trying to think about this, and the only thing I can think about is the fair has been there for so long. It's not like the Andy Griffith does, like you know, the episode with the ball and Andy's birthday was Monday, and then this show was Tuesday. I feel like the fair's been there for like you know two you know, two months maybe at this point for how long we've seen it. And because, and then we get a little bit of indicators later in the show that Andy is, you know, there are a lot of fights that are breaking out. He keeps getting more calls. He's clearly at his wits end with, with the fair. Maybe he's like, you know what? This is the only way that I can get these, these people to leave town is if I slowly kick each one of them out. And that's why he does this. Well, I mean, I, isn't Montana state fair like three weeks long? Well, I don't know. I've never been. Our our county fair is just a week, though. Okay, I'm, I mean, you got for our county fair. No. I saw Nelly last year. We like never really had big performances. We had Nelly last year. Oh wow! So we've got Chase Rice, some guy from Poison, and then the Saturday night like big headliner is Flo Rida at wow. our county fair. This isn't the state fair. Yeah. I hope the guy you got from Poison is Brett Michaels, who's the lead singer. Because if it's anybody else, that's not going to be much of a show. Keep talking, and I'm gonna I'm gonna get this answer for you. All right. The so yeah, I I think basically we're talking about it. We're talking about the '60s. I think fairs probably ran a little longer back then. I mean, even you know your most of your state fairs will run about three weeks to a month. In Knoxville, they had the Tennessee Valley Fair, which is a regional fair, and it lasts about two, probably two to three weeks. 
So I would imagine it's not inconceivable that there would be a fair that was there three to four weeks. I mean, even if you look at like Renaissance festivals, I mean, Maryland's Renaissance Festival, I think lasts about five to six weeks, if not longer. Yeah. And you're, I mean, you're exhausted after those five to six weeks. Um, I did confirm it is, it is, it's, it's described this way. Former poison frontman turned country rocker Brett Michaels. Is that who you said it should be? Yeah, his country. I don't. I don't know if I'd call him a country rocker. I couldn't tell you one country rock song he sang. I know he explored it, but it wasn't like he. I don't. I don't. I don't I've never seen him. I think what they're teeing you up for is you're going to hear a bunch of country rock songs and maybe a few poison songs. That's well, what you're about saw, to hear. When I saw Nelly last year, he did a lot of his normal songs, and then mm-hmm. the. The crowd got really turned up when he did his collaboration with Florida Georgia Line, and then they just played a lot of covers, and people really liked that. Like, not even played a lot of covers, like he was singing them. The DJ just played songs while Nelly was in the front being like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> well, then, then, then people might love Brett Michaels' country, country rock tunes. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's going to work out. All right. Well, here's hoping. So the manager is frustrated. He tells the dancer that they're moving on and she is she is grumpy. And and then he's basically firing the poor banjo player um, named Jerry and he's not paying him. Jerry was bad. He couldn't play the banjo. He was off tune. I mean, I was a little bit kind of I was a little surprised. I've never my, any of the belly dancing I've seen has not been to a banjo. Yes, that's true. Yeah, so he was he was at a he had a rough um, had a rough go. As I mentioned, he's played by Jerry Van Dyke. You are probably too young to remember him, but he's best remembered by my generation for playing Luther on Coach in the eighties and nineties. Okay, and he played he played not a version of this character. But he played, but imagine a more animated bumbling version of actually he is a version of the character. Just imagine a more animated bumbling character, bumbling version of this character. That's way different from how Idris Elba plays Luther. Yeah, that's a different Luther. I don't this Luther didn't break things on and um and, and have a really nasty, nasty temper. Okay. All right. Yeah. So the banjo player takes his gear and he's not, he can't see where he's going. Andy's kind of looking the other way. He basically mows Andy down. Um, he's looking for a place to stay, but he's broke. And Andy offers to let him stay on a cot at the courthouse. And then he invites him to dinner. And at dinner, he says he's from Morgantown, which is also the home of Don Knotts. So I have to imagine that was a throwback and kind of said in honor of Don Knotts. Oh, I feel like they're trying to skewer him. Oh yeah, we, you think they were Don? We got other Morgantown Morgan Morgan Townies. I, I mean, that's that's how we threw shade subtly through the media in 1965. You know, wasn't this blatant calling people out? We were we 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 just did something subli- subliminal. So Aunt V also used to live there, and it turns out she knows his parents, and she suggests that he hire Jerry as a deputy for the short term, or at least to do some work around the office. And Andy offers it to him and agrees, and Jerry agrees to do it. And Jerry gets up to help Aunt B, but he has tucked the tablecloth in his pants. Um, oh, boy, if I had a nickel. How many times did you tuck the tablecloth in your pants? 
Yeah, I find when I'm sitting at a guest house for dinner, I'm always like shoving my hands in my pants accidentally. So, <laughs> I mean, like, but that's really what he did, though, right? Where he was I like, know. my napkin, I was tucking it into my belt. Like, no, get out of town. So, I do you know who Lee Marvin was? No, is he related to Lee Harvey Oswald? He's not. He was an actor. He was a tough guy actor back in the um, back in the back in the sixties uh, and seventies, and somewhat the eighties. I mean, he was a tough guy. I mean, he was one of the he stormed the beaches of Iwo Jima in World War Two, uh, but he was also those are nice beaches. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, not in, not in nineteen forty five. They weren't they weren't that lovely. I have to tell you, but the the but he so he was a, but he was also a kind of a raging drunk and he had this thing where he would do this trick and he would say i'm working on this for a movie they'd be like a fancy dinner set up he goes i'm working on this for a movie and he would walk up and he'd say i'm gonna pull the um pull the pull the tablecloth out all the dishes will still be standing that's how fast i am at this and every time he would do it he'd yank it and stuff would go flying everywhere. He'd make the biggest yes. mess. And he'd go, well, I guess I need to work on this some more. <laughs> and, and then walk off. I like that. I thought, that's pretty funny. So the next day, Floyd is looking through his telescope, which he won at the fair. And he tells Andy that he's upset that the show closed down. And he blames Andy for it. But Andy says it's not his fault. And he says one person is still there. Floyd perks up, and then he finds out it's the banjo player, and he's not as he's not as excited. Yeah. So he comes. Uh, Andy comes to the dep and finds the deputy playing the banjo, and it turns out there have been a couple of calls about trouble at the carnival. Andy doesn't seem too concerned about it, which I thought was a little strange. I mean, he's the one law enforcement officer. He's like, "Nah, I'm going to go to Mount Pilot." No, but this is where he, he's tired of these people. He needs them to get. The heck out of town. Yeah. But Jerry offers to suit up in uniform and go down there, and Andy says no. And Andy leaves to take a couple of rifles to Mount Pilot to get serviced. The first time I've ever seen that they lock up the guns. Yeah. No, they I didn't do. Know that that's how they did it. It doesn't seem like that's too much, too foolproof of operation. No, I don't think so either. But yeah. it's an effort. It is an effort. And Jerry tools around with his rifle. Before he bumps into the wall and hurts his nose and he decides to suit up and go to the fair as we go to commercial. This episode was produced by Pod Machine. They do a great podcast and a great rate. I was fortunate to get started on this a few years ago and I've just been very, very pleased with it ever since. I mean, they can, you know, they will edit your podcast. They will uh, do artwork for your podcast. They'll do the YouTube videos for the podcast and they and they have a very quick turnaround time um, once you upload all your material. So I highly recommend it. I'm pro pod in general. I love bean pods. I like pod hotels. I like pod apples maybe but you know what pods i like best pod machines pod machines me too me too i like them better than podcasts i honestly don't even really like podcasts that much so i'm i'm just thankful that you're here why do you do this podcast (laughs) to see your dimples baby to see my dimples well 
And uh, if you really push hard, podcast, my pod machine might be able to give you some dimples. I don't know. So <laughs> go to podmachine.com to learn more and enter Loaded Goat at checkout for a 10% discount. And that's spelled just like Loaded Goat. And after the, at the break, after the break, Jerry is at the carnival in his uniform and he sees two men fighting and he goes to break them up. And he's a complete disaster. He just keeps trying to point to the fact that he has a badge. And Andy shows up and breaks things up. And then he takes Jerry back to the courthouse and tells him he's fired. Basically, his Aunt B comes in. And Aunt B pulls him aside and says the most sensible thing on the show. Says, you can't fire him after all the stuff you've let Barty get away with. Correct. And that's 100% fair. Aunt B is speaking truth to power. She is. She is. So Andy agrees to let him handle the school crossing, but with no badge. Then Andy sits down with Floyd, who asks how Jerry is working out. And see, Andy says he's not really sure. And he says he's very quiet and, you know, not doesn't, you know, he's very calm and not, you know, kind of quiet. And Floyd says Andy's the same way. And he uses the Teddy Roosevelt quote, you know, walk softly and carry a big stick. Well, that Floyd kind of that's what Floyd thinks. I thought that was pretty funny. I agree. And then we see Jerry arguing with a woman in town about moving her car. And Andy kind of goes up and takes care of it. And he sends him on to the school crossing where he's a disaster. That The kids basically have to help him cross the street. That's and great. Andy sees this all to the all this all take place. No, he wasn't fully like he wasn't trained for that position. And this part hit home to me where for the weekend, this weekend, Chris and I picked up a shift at the local distillery and we were not first time we've ever done it. Uh, and we were not trained in any way, shape or form. And I quickly, you know, I took like one order and was stressed out. And so then I quickly ended up in the dishwashing area where Kristen was able to excel as a server. And I think basic, the point here is I felt a very similar piece of being thrown into the deep end on something that's wildly important making sure a child is safe crossing the street or a water glass is filled. And as long as, if you're not actually bringing people along the way, it can, it can cause a lot of insecurities. What distillery were you working at? Uh, it was the Jim Beam distillery. Um, no, I'm kidding. It was Gulch Distillers down on, on Fuller Street. What do they distill? They, they, oh, they do everything. They do a gin. They do a vodka. They do another gin. They do a uh, fernet that is award-winning. They've got a single malt barley American whiskey, uh, an aperitivo, you know, all sorts of things. A rum. Did you, mm, do they, I assume they have a good kitchen too? No kitchen. No kitchen. No kitchen. Did you? So you didn't have to. So you couldn't explain to them, and you couldn't be like uh, Richie on the bear and say, "I'm only doing forks." No, well, I did. Tr- well, yeah, no, I should have done that. That's yeah. a very good comparison. I did say corner a lot and behind. Oh, okay. Local. There was one couple there that was like they said they'd come back in three weeks, and I, I was like, oh god, I'm not going to be here in three weeks. And they're like, it's okay, <laughs> you stick with it. I'm like, well, yeah, yeah. I also just don't work here. What, 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 what? Do you know the person, or what prompted you? Yeah, to- it's one of my friends was doing it. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. So we uh, cut to the jail and Andy is telling him this isn't going to work out. Um, 
and Jerry goes into the back room to change out of his uniform, and Andy Aunt B comes in freaking out because her purse was stolen. And Andy says he'll take care of it and tells Jerry he's going over to the carnival. But Jerry is gone. Just as he's without his uniform and he's gone. In a jiff. In a jiff. Up the flue of the chimney, just like his brother. And we cut to the two guys loading up the purses at the carnival. And one of them is played by Lee Van Cleef, who was in movies That's with Lee Martin. That's a good name. Yeah, it's a cool name, Lee Van Cleef. But... So at that point, it's like this is 1965. He was a bit player. He mainly played thugs in movies. You, 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 he's one of Lee Marvin's goons and the man who shot Liberty Valance. But later that year in 1965, one of the two men that went out to face each other, but only one of them returned. No. Okay, that's from the Gene Kelly song. Yeah. No. He. No, the. Um, the. Uh, that's Lee, Lee Marvin is Liberty Valance. Okay. But basically, yeah, that same I'll, year in night, I threw you off there. No, I'm fine. You just caught, I was just kind of like, what are you talking and about? All sweating, turned all red. <laughs> I'm not all I red. I'm not on chair. I did not. I, I was trying to basically say one, two men walk went to face each other and one return. I was like, that's every Western ever made. <laughs> trying to remember what you're what you're talking about here. But so basically, in 1965, later that year year Sergio Leone cast him as Clint Eastwood's mentor and for a few dollars more which was part of the Fistful of Dollars trilogy and then he went on to play Angel Eyes which is the bad guy in the good the bad and the ugly and from that point on he was kind of a you know character actor in movies and television until he died oh wow that makes you think doesn't really make you think it's just like that was but I mean it really was like he was he was doing this role and I mean by that by by within two years he was a I mean, he was a name. Yeah. Okay. All right. Although, Lee Van Cleef. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, Lee Van Cleef is a pretty catchy name to begin with. That's not the Lee that you mentioned earlier. That's Lee Marvin. Okay. Lee Marvin, Lee Cleef, Lee Van Cleef. Lee Van Cleef. Um, one of Cleef. the two guys that stole the purses, one of the guys from the, the show that he used to work for? No. Oh, okay. I couldn't remember anybody's face, and I did, just decided that it was the manager. No, I think he saw oh, it. He that it I don't. Yeah, I don't think he was one of those. Because otherwise, he finds them so fast. I know. I know. Well, it's the last he might, episode. He might be of the cut season. out for being a deputy anyway, right? Like if he if he could crack the case that fast. I think so. The anyway, well, yeah, but I mean. He um, and I don't think they weren't the two guys fighting, were they? I don't at the they weren't doing that, and I don't, I don't, I just don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure how he actually figured out it was them, but but he does, he does, yeah. And so Jerry confronts them, and they um, they tell him to go away, but Jerry won't back down, and Andy shows up armed and arrests them, and tells Jerry he's impressed with them as we go to commercial. Mm. Yeah. And in the epilogue, Aunt B is getting her purse back, and Jerry, who has a tough time articulating things, tells her what happened, but he can't finish his sentence, so Andy has to help him. And here we go again. I thought this was a weak epilogue, especially for a season ender. I agree. I and you got, agree. I don't, you got no OP either. There is a question of why couldn't they have just flipped this episode and let Barney's last episode be the season finale? Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's the 
Because, I mean, they were shooting these enough in advance where I don't think that would have been an issue. Oh, I guess we'll never know. Probably. You know, mystery is the ideal of wonder. Yeah. Huh. So how many whistles would you give this? Well, I would give this four because I, I really didn't enjoy watching this. But I would give you a 10. I'd give you a 10 as well. I'd give this episode probably five. That's okay. what I would go with. All right. All right. All right. Actually, you know what? You know what? You're right. Four. Thank you. I was so bored in this one. Yeah. And, it, and it's not like Jerry Van Dyke's not talented. They just never could. They never could find a good groove for a deputy. They tried one more time. And basically, Andy goes through the rest of the series with no deputy. What about a uh, spinoff where you've got the deputy, the guy, uh, oh, what was his name? The, the guy from Reno 911. Do you think he could blend in? Who's the comedian I'm thinking about? I know who you're talking about, but I'm... Um, He'd be a great deputy for the Andy Griffith show. Yeah. We can I'm, just leave uh, that there. And that's kind of one of the pieces I want our listeners to think long and hard about for the next for the next while. The right. Next while. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the the truth of it is, is that the... Uh, that we're, you know, the... They just never could. I just only at the end of the day, Andy Griffin never had any chemistry with anybody like he had with Don Knotts ever. Yeah. Yep. And Don Knotts never really had any chemistry with anybody like he did with Andy Andy Griffith. Well, he did with that other animal and the marvelous Ms. Maisel or whatever. But the incredible Mr. Limpet, I think, I think you're 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 giving that you're you're giving them a little too much credit. And I I think he 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 had definitely had some career some chemistry with Tim Conway. You'd see that in the Apple Dumpling Gang and other movies, but he didn't have like what he had with Andy, with Andy Griffith. Yeah. Yeah. Even when Don Knotts would appear on Matlock, it was, there was still, you could still tell there was chemistry, chemistry there. Oh, okay. All right. I didn't know he was on that. Just for, just for a handful of episodes. So how many whistles would you give? Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't say that. Not how many whistles. I'm sorry. (laughs) I listened. I was just, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm, I, I have my notes. I made a mistake. I forgive you. Thank you. Any final thoughts? No, this has been, this has been nice. I think you're, you're, I've said this before, but your skin is radiating. I think whatever you're doing is, is really working, not a poor insight. So it's, it's, it's always a pleasure to see your face on the screen. It is for me to see you too, and I, I, you, you've got great skin as well. Even if your background kind of drowns and washes a lot of it out. Yeah, well, everything's peach colored, so I just kind of disappear, you know. Yeah. So. Well, I think so. We'll be back at some point to quote Minute Work after they won the Best New Artist of the Gram at the Grammys in the 1980s. We are the men, and we'll see you again. But in the meantime, check us out on Apple. Podcast, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your podcast. If you think about it, subscribe. We'll be back. But until then, Christopher, you can't shut this podcast down. It's art. What is the loaded goat even about? <laughs>